you're listening to Privacy Files, the podcast that makes privacy approachable for businesses and consumers alike. This episode is brought to you by Anonymy Labs, makers of MySudo, the world's only all-in-one privacy app, and Sudo Platform, the cloud-based platform companies turn to for seamlessly integrating privacy solutions into their software. Welcome to episode number 29 of Privacy Files. I'm Rich. And I'm Sarah. In our last episode, Sarah and I welcomed Colin to the studio as we observed World Password Day. From stronger passwords and multi-factor authentication to password managers and even thermal attacks. If your password game isn't where it needs to be, you really should give that episode a listen. Today, we're going to open the lid on the world of virtual private networks, more commonly known as VPNs. As a result of growing concerns over privacy while navigating the web, there are now 1.5 billion VPN users worldwide, making this a nearly $50 billion global market. And there appears to be nothing stopping this growth. With one forecast expecting the market to hit nearly $90 billion by 2027. Yes, VPNs are hot. And to help us with today's discussion, we're welcoming Jim to the podcast. Jim is a lead product manager at Anonymy Labs and has been spearheading the development of one of Anonymy Labs' most exciting product releases this year, MySudo VPN. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Good to have you. This is going to be exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, Sarah, we're going to skip news today. We're just going to jump right into this topic. So let's open up a case file on virtual private networks. So, Jim, I think the best way to start it is just to kind of set up the the background, what's been going on in this whole industry. I, I remember when I started my career, you know, VPNs used to be kind of the domain of just the corporate world. You had mattering, I guess, of remote workers, salespeople who were, you know, working somewhere abroad or maybe out of state. And so that was kind of how I knew VPNs. And it was usually a physical device that you had to plug into your computer. But now you can't escape the advertisements, right? I mean, you see them on YouTube. They're everywhere today. And it's almost become like it's, it feels like it's a commodity and you just can't escape it. So we're going to get into some of that today and, and talk about how there are differences between different VPNs. But, you know, for those that don't still know what a VPN is, or maybe they think they do, but don't, I mean, how can you kind of set it up and get people to wrap their mind around just what exactly is a VPN? I think you're right. I think everyone's heard of it, but sometimes it's pretty hard to know exactly what it means. I think people know that it's generally helps with privacy in some way, you know, it's in the name. But the way I like to think of it, um, if I was explaining it to my five-year-old boy, would be, you know, typically if you think of your data as being, you know, goods on a truck, you know, you're taking your data from your house, your computer, to somewhere else. And if it's not protected, everyone can see what's on the back of that flatbed truck. Everyone can see every single thing that you're moving. And obviously people sometimes don't want people to know what's in the back of the truck. So a VPN is moving from a flatbed truck to a contained truck where, you know, it's covered up. You put your stuff on there at your house and you take it to your destination. But there's no one that can be standing on the side of your road like hackers or your ISP who can see what's in the back of the truck. And probably the other thing is with with VPN, it allows you to connect via a different location as well. And that adds a further layer of privacy as well, because you can think of it as the truck kind of stopping in Idaho and your truck changes to a different one. So it's very hard to kind of know exactly where that truck came from. So so that's really what it does. It's it's a way in which, although you're on a, a public network, you're on the internet, um, it's a way in to enable that level of privacy between yourself and somewhere else. Think of it as like a tunnel between yourself and somewhere else. And what's kind of driving this? What are some common use cases that people can think about as they're deciding if a VPN is right for them? I think if you ever watch YouTube, you've probably seen a lot of the adverts where they probably say a few of these. But the top of mind is getting to content. You know, a lot of people on Netflix, Hulu, places like that. So because you're able to connect to internet via a different location, you can maybe, I could get to something on US Netflix that I'm dying to get to from over here in Australia as a good example. So that's kind of one big one. Um, I think beyond that, um, there's more kind of privacy concerns that people have. Um, so a big one is public Wi-Fi. You know, I know when I travel and stay in a hotel, I know I'm a little bit untrustworthy of those networks. So if you connect to a VPN, that encryption allows you to protect yourself there in coffee shops, places like that. Um, and I think a big one is obviously more and more people work from home. 
So there is usually a VPN element there, either provided from your work or yourself. Um, I think beyond that, if you look beyond, I guess, our bastions of freedom, the USA and Australia, there are countries where there's more firewalls, there's more protection there that people want to get across to access news. Even in the UK, where I'm from, there's more firewalls there, particularly for pornography, which I'm not condoning people go to. But that's an example of people want to jump over those blocks that have been put in place to accessing information. And there's probably a niche of people where it can be cheaper as well. If you're purchasing, for example, plane tickets, a lot of the sites are kind of like collecting data on you to to give you a price that they think they can get away with, essentially, based off your behavior. Um, And using a VPN really helps you access cheaper pricing because they don't know who you are. So there's a a number of different reasons that people might want to have a VPN. And it's really up to you to decide, you know, which VPN matches what you're trying to do. Yeah, it sounds like there's privacy drivers, there's convenience, there's possibly some other things such as, like you said, different pricing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's there's a there's a good mix there, and you know, I think I think that's why there's so many players moving into the market because there's almost kind of a bit there for everyone. Everyone could get value out of a VPN. And if if you're like an American and you're in Mexico City, a VPN helps you see all your websites in English. It changes the the default language, I suppose, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely one that you can do yeah. as well. I think, yeah. Okay, I guess Sarah's going to get us into some of the industry stats. So take it away. Yeah, I liked your truck analogy because I'm I, I'm a newbie to VPN. I've used it a few times for work because I work remote, so I've used it on my laptop. But as far as like my phone have never used one until I'm sitting here testing for my pseudo. And I'm like, Oh, it's so easy. And it's like, you really just kind of turn it on and forget about it. At least for me, I'm like, Oh, good. My privacy is, you know, it's up and running. So it's I'm excited to sort of like learn more about this today since I'm new to it. But so some of the industry statistics, we've got this article that was like the 30 plus VPN statistics going on right now. So 93% of organizations currently use a VPN. So that's like I was talking about our our work does that. So what's really interesting is that in our last episode, I think we talked about where like not even 25% of companies are even using a password manager. But I guess I'm not sure if one is more important than the other, but it's interesting that their VPN usage is so high, but something like a password manager isn't. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of curious. 39% of Americans use VPNs for either work or personal use. And then half of all users say they use VPNs for better access to entertainment content. So I think that's sort of one of those, maybe a major selling point of VPN is simply just to access the content you want, right? We kind of talked about that. Maybe not just privacy, but access to content. Yeah. And I think that's because it's probably the one that I know that's why I bought my first VPN as well was for content. It wasn't for privacy. Um, And I think that's the one that people get because it's like i want to watch that show i can't watch that show yeah let me watch that show and i think the privacy stuff may come later yeah i definitely hear that people access even netflix to a different country and they're like oh you can totally see all these other different movies and and i'm like oh i just i guess never had interest in that but i know people do that all the time so half of all users i guess and then 31 percent of global internet users have a vpn And then the global VPN market nearly doubled in size between 2019 and 2022. So do we sort of think that might just be related to everybody, a lot of people working from home probably? Yeah, that would have been a huge spike. Uh, I think it it has been growing anyway. It's been an upward trend. Um, But you saw this massive upward trend, upward spike with everyone moving to hybrid or working from home. So that's kind of driven it. So it feels like it's definitely reached that tipping point now of being truly ubiquitous. Right. Yeah. And then in the US, the VPN market is valued at $16.5 billion, which is about 30, almost 35% of the global market share. And outside of the US, there are other high growth markets. Um, so we've got a couple countries there. The first one is China. This one actually surprises me, given how much control you know the yeah. CCP has over the public. So there was an article we've got listed here called How to Use a VPN for China and Is It Legal? And it says the Great Firewall of China restricts users from accessing the free and open internet. And it's officially, it's called the Golden Shield Project. And there are um, few VPNs that actually work in China there. So 
Um, And I think it said in the article, officially, the Chinese government has banned the use of VPNs not approved by the government. VPNs must provide the government backdoor access to be approved, which renders them unsecure. So however, this law applies to companies and corporations rather than individuals. But the bottom line of that article was be careful of visiting China and using a VPN not approved by the Chinese government. And then another um, high growth market was Canada. There was Germany. And then the other, the last one was um, Japan. And although Japan actually has the lowest adoption rate at it's like 0.17%, it looks like the public in Japan is beginning to see the benefits of VPN usage. Oh, and there was another one listed here, the United Arab Emirates. They're the highest adoption rate of any country, actually over 25%. That's a lot. So and that's uh, the population having downloaded the VPN, actually. Even though it's, they've got, they're another one of those heavily restricted countries, right. too. Yeah. So they're, people are finding ways. Yeah. And so there's a list of where uh, five countries where VPN usage is flat out illegal Belarus, Iraq, North Korea, Oman. Oman. Is that how you say it? Yep. And oh, you gave me a hard one here. Turkmenistan. Is yeah. that how you say it? There we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. You, guys, you, you can definitely yeah. see a pattern there. Right. <laughs> Jim's been to everyone. Yeah. I think it's also like you've got those that are like flat out banning them. And then you have those that are like, well, you can use it, but only these specific ones, which I think we'll get into like where certain companies own VPNs. And then so you kind of get a little bit like curious about, well, if they're only restricted to here, do you have access to something? Or, you know, it's like you always get kind of I start questioning things when only a certain amount of people own everything, you know, but I think we're going to start talking about that. But I think before that, you've got some demographics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Demographics. And before I jump into that, I guess I had a question for you, Jim, too. When you think about use cases and like particular profiles of people who would be more interested in using a VPN, I guess you would think maybe journalists, I suppose, or people who are kind of in high profile positions that might be, I guess a little controversial. If you got an independent journalist out there that's writing a story that's kind of against establishment government, things of that nature, any others that might come to mind? I think really people that are more in the public eye or they know that what information they're sharing or activities they're doing may be of interest to people with the ability to sniff around are probably the ones that are going to be more aware. I'm not saying they're doing something dodgy. I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if politicians weren't slapping VPN on when they're when they're at home, just to make sure that nothing scandalous comes out. <laughs> um, but on top of that, yeah, you got kind of journalists, whistleblowers, um, you know, any anyone like that, I think, should be at the back of their mind thinking, I don't want anyone to see what I'm doing right now. You know, <laughs> and I think that's kind of slowly spreading and trickling down to the average Joe like you and me. Yeah, the operative word is of interest. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, let's get into some VPN user demographics. So interesting here, 62% of VPN users are male, which it's it's typical, I think, kind of in the privacy space overall, which that's always one to kind of dissect a little bit more to figure out what's going on there. But 38% are female. Uh, Two-thirds of VPN users are between the ages of 16 and 34. And the 16 to 24 demographic makes up 35% of all VPN users. Boomers, of course, everybody loves to dump on the boomers, <laughs> 55 years or older. They make up only 4% of the VPN user base. It's like so. slow to come around, but maybe yeah. it's just an education thing. I mean, do you, I know, Sarah, do your parents use VPN? They- I mean, I know my dad does just because he's in the tech industry, sure. so he's aware of it. But I know my mom doesn't. <laughs> she definitely is probably like, I don't uh, even know where about, that is in my settings. <laughs> how about you, Jim? Your parents or anyone else in your family who are uh, older? Do they use VPN? Uh, my, my parents definitely not. They go on the like they crank up the computer once a day with the <laughs> hand crank to read the news and then shut it off again. So they're now they're a few steps away from using VPN. But to be yeah. honest with you, I don't think they're doing anything that of interest to anyone, even yeah. themselves. Cool, I think yeah. they're good. Yeah, cool. And more more usage stats. So 39% of Americans use VPNs for either work or personal use. 88% of Americans now know what VPNs are. So that's that's good. There's been some progress. Probably a lot of that has to do with um, the, the pandemic over the last uh, few years. So up from 72% in 2020. 36% of US and UK VPN users use their VPN at least once per day. And in the U.S. and U.K., where the primary motivations for VP usage are security and privacy, daily VPN use is the norm for over a third of users. 
Now, half of all users say they use VPNs for better access to entertainment content, which we've covered before. And hey, I mean, however you want to use it, uh, it that's uh, that's kind of an enticing way to get you into the privacy space. So be it. So I probably have a question for Jim, maybe just because I'm a new VPN user. So that statistic that said people use it at least once a day. So say I'm using it and it's just connected somewhere here in the U.S. So I don't have to worry about it being another country. Is there a reason I would want to turn it off? Because if I just have it running in the background, I just can sort of like set it and forget it. Is there a reason I should turn it off if people are only using it like once a day? In my head, I was like, I was just going to leave it on and let it be. But I'm curious. Yeah, I think to be honest with you, a lot of you do. I think one that springs to mind is going back to the the Netflix reason where you might switch it on just to watch a program in Zimbabwe or somewhere. And then you'd switch it off again because then you just want to browse as you in the US doing that kind of stuff. So I think that's one kind of fairly intermittent way that you'd be using it. Okay. But if I'm just like, hey, I'm just going to point it to, a, you know, New York, I'm still in the yes. Like, is it good to just like, you can set it, forget it, leave it on, and you know, you're just sort of always protected? Yeah, yeah. To be honest with you, I think that's, that's probably the best way to do it is to say, look, part of the beauty of VPN is it, it can be that set and forget. So you've got that layer of protection that you don't need to be keeping in mind. So yeah, I I think definitely that that's a good practice going forward for people. And it also says that using a VPN to access entertainment content is the top non-work reason people use VPNs. So very, very interesting. Other reasons for VPN use include accessing social networks, which came in at 34%, browsing uh, anonymously at 31%, accessing files and services while working 30%. And 47% of personal VPN users use a free VPN service. Oh, boy, Jim. Naughty, naughty. Almost half. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get into more of that in a little bit. Why, that's not a good idea. And also, over 60% of free VPN users encounter problems with their connections. Big surprise. The most common being slow internet speed at 39%, numerous or buggy ads at 13%, and streaming issues at 12%. So why don't Americans use a VPN? Well, according to this study, 59% of non-users responded that they don't need one. Okay. 22% said that VPNs were too expensive. Well, about that. 20% said they were unsure of the benefits VPNs could provide, which I think does point to this whole education gap that you probably would agree with, Jim. It's just I think there's a lot of people that just, if you don't know what your risk exposure is, you don't really know that you've got a problem. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that falls into the people that think they don't need one as well. That shows a bit of naivety, I guess. <laughs> 41% of organizations have three or more global inbound VPN gateways, and 71% of companies scaled up VPN capacity during the COVID-19 pandemic. The global pandemic forced companies to shift to more remote work, which in turn put a strain on their VPNs, and over two-thirds of organizations were forced to increase capacity. 20% of companies report increasing VPN capacity by at least 76%. So remote work and VPN usage, it's, it always goes back to 2020, doesn't it, Sarah? It's Almost every- going to haunt me forever. I feel like every time we talk about something, and it's just, it's one of those life-changing times in our life, you know? So according to this study, it says 43% of remote workers use a VPN 38% said they didn't use a VPN and 19% were unsure whether they did or didn't use one. That sounds like something that'd be me. I don't know. Maybe it's on. Did I do something? Yeah. I'd like to pull those people. That's one out of five. That's pretty high. So using a VPN for security. So this was an interesting um, little study here. So the primary reason for using a VPN, top top reason was security at 43%. The number two is streaming at 26%. So that's back to getting your Netflix or Hulu content wherever you are. And then privacy at 12%. Like to see that a little higher. Accessing content at 9%, travel at 4%, gaming at 3%, and work for 3%. I'm surprised that travel is so low. You're so exposed. Like, you know, Jim, when you're in the airport, you're out in a coffee shop, there's not much security there. Yeah, and I think that's, I'm wondering whether that's just um, a proportion because people are traveling relatively less than they are kind of streaming or using it for general security. But it's maybe it's an education piece as well. A lot of people when they're traveling, that's probably not what they're thinking about when they're in the airport trying to get their kids through the gate and all that kind of stuff. But it's definitely a high risk point, I think, when when you're traveling is, is using it. And even when you're at your destination, 
right? There's, there's always a good reason to use a VPN when you're in Fiji sipping your cocktail. So <laughs> I, I definitely use it. I'll be using it on my next vacation. Is that where you were last time? Wow, <laughs> that's where I'm going soon. Oh, good day. for you. Nice. I guess I have a question. So this is sort of my non-tech hat. So in this study, it said security, the, the reason people use it, 43% use it for security and only 12% for privacy. What's sort of the difference there? What's the difference between security and privacy for using a VPN? I think the security, that goes to use my truck analogy at the okay. start, that's more they want to make sure that what they're sharing is safe. It's something that people can't necessarily kind of hack into or see. I'd say privacy is more protecting you as opposed to the data. So that's more to make sure that your behavior isn't being tracked. It's, it's almost because VPNs doing both at the same time. I think it's more almost kind of like a mindset. I mean, why are you right. using it first and foremost? So I think that makes sense. First and foremost, people are like, I'm sharing this data. I want to protect this data. So that's the security. And um, privacy is I'm doing X. I'm a politician. Gotcha. I don't want the journalist to find it. So it is, I think, important. People do know they want to protect their data, but I think people forget yeah. protect yourself. You know, that's the big thing is privacy. So I think that'll be a big education piece for people on why to use a VPN. Oh, definitely. And I think it goes back to that fact that people, I guess, don't understand how your data can be used. Right. As well. Which is it's like a step, an abstracted step away from I'm I'm keeping this data safe, which is security. Whereas privacy is people are kind of piecing together a picture of you based off your behavior, which VPN can really help protect against. Perfect. Yeah. And after going through all of these stats, I guess as I'm kind of processing everything that we're talking about, the the VPN probably for the more mainstream audience, Jim, I, it sounds like is the first time that they really got introduced to privacy in a digital sense. You think that's yeah. an accurate assessment? Yeah, I think so, definitely, because it's it goes back to the fact that there's some, I guess there's some very tangible reasons to use VPN which aren't necessarily directly related to privacy, but then it helps you walk into the whole kind of privacy space. It's, it's kind of like you're, you've got your training wheels on for getting <laughs> yourself set up for privacy, I'd say. What do you think overall? Do you think people are becoming more privacy conscious? Yeah, so I think slowly but surely. I think I think the fact that there's repeated breaches coming in the news, uh, I think the general, almost like the societal understanding of the need to be private online has been a it's been a generational change. I'd say when when people first started, your boomers and I might even be on the borderline, you know, with my age. This idea that it's all kind of happy and dandy, you're speaking to your friend over the other side of the country. I think slowly people are beginning to kind of clue in to the fact that there's a lot of touch points and people involved in between you and your mate and um, people becoming more and more aware that they need to protect that kind of behavior, which is good. You know, it's definitely something which everyone needs to take that responsibility going forward with. And I think even things happening in the news, like everything being pointed at TikTok. You know, we've talked about, sure. we've, we've got episodes on TikTok where, you know, I think all the fingers get pointed at TikTok, but everybody's really just sort of doing the, the Facebooks, the Googles, everybody's doing the same thing. But I think what it did was it at least brought to light sort of a lot of the issues going on. And it made people kind of start, you know, kind of being like, hmm, maybe I do have something to worry about if somebody, if this can get into the wrong hands, where else is my information getting into the wrong hands? So I think those sort of things happening are making people a little bit more aware as well. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to get uh, into this a little bit more uh, in just a bit, but just, just to highlight it, you know, I think a lot of people are unaware of that your internet service provider can sell your data, right? Your traffic data. That's that's monetizable. And that's one piece of it. And then VPN apps out there too are also tracking. So and we're going to get into that as well when it comes to like the free ones, but they're tracking user ID, device or advertising ID, usage data, and even your location. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add to that one. Any kind of product that you're going to buy mm -hmm. online, it, you need to do your due diligence as a consumer. Unfortunately, you don't get anything for free in this world, uh, which ties into the pseudo free, um, you know, the free VPNs that you have out there, which are free for a reason. You know, it's a company making money what are they making money from it's most likely you and sure. the data that you're sharing so yeah we can get into that after the break let's take a brief break for this message from our sponsor are you tired of big tech spying on you my pseudo is the world's only all-in-one app that gives you back control of your privacy by creating digital profiles or pseudos you can compartmentalize your online activities by setting up a unique phone number email address and handle for things like shopping accessing free content and using dating apps 
This breaks the data trail linking back to your personal info, thus reducing your digital exhaust. Each pseudo also includes a private web browser with add-in tracker blocker. Want to stop companies from sharing data related to your transactions and spending habits? Set up a MySudo virtual card and bring peace of mind that your transactions are secure and private. To learn more, visit mysudo.com. That's mysudo.com. Stay private. So when, when I started off the episode, you know, I was talking about how I think some people are starting to look at VPNs as a commodity, as any technology, when you see something explode the way it does. But I think with that said, I think it's important to get into this part of it, which is there really are differences, aren't there? I mean, so maybe you can help explain what some of the common attributes that, that exist in, in VPNs and what separates one from the other. Uh, yes, I can. So I think in terms of the things that you're looking for in general in any in any VPN is the server locations, the encryption standards, and the logging policies of any VPN that you have. And with those three in mind, when you, you if you're on YouTube, you know you've probably heard your, your favorite YouTube channel talking about one or two of the big ones. You know you've got NordVPN, ExpressVPN. So you got those, which are kind of like your big players, where you you pay a monthly annual fee. You also get free. VPNs as well, which can be tempting to kind of pick up and use. But I think they're the ones which you really need to be super wary of um, because it does go back to the fact that they're much more likely to be using your data in one way or another. I think there was one uh, a while back called Hola VPN, which got into a lot of hot water because it became clear it got uncovered that they were actually um, brokering people's data and selling it on. And if they've done it, you know, a lot of the other free ones will be doing it as well. So my general advice is don't use a free one because all you're doing is really passing your data from your ISP to a VPN. And, and I think that goes back to what I said before, where one of the things that you need to be looking at is uh, the logging policy of the of the VPN. And when you say logging, what just for those that maybe not, they don't know what that means, what, what exactly is that? Yeah, so... It, the logging policy, logging is basically where the, the VPN provider has a database where it's, there is a log of your connection points. Um, so it's something where you'll have different types of policies. Um, there's two factors here that you need to think about. If you're super privacy conscious, um, what you need to think about is where are the servers stored? Which country are the servers where these logs are being logged, being stored by the by the company? Because different countries, governments have different levels of access. So Sarah said before about China, I think it was you, Rich. They have like approved VPNs where they have very clear backdoors. They can access whatever's happening to the citizens by those VPNs. So it's kind of a, it's not a door, it's a, patio window you know the, for the government they can just go in whenever they want to be honest with you you know there's a lot of other countries where there's probably something similar probably not quite as easy but a lot of governments can put an information request in you know police and other government agencies and if there's a log they can then get that log as a I guess as counter to that, a lot of different VPN providers either don't keep logs or they only keep logs for 24 hours and then it gets deleted, which kind of then means they can just shrug the shoulder and say, look, it's gone. We don't have any information for you, even if you do want it. So so that's kind of a big one to think about. Um, the location is just, yeah, what do you want to access? You know, what what what's that list of locations that would work for you? You know, if you're streaming, for example, for my pseudo, we're setting up a VPN at the moment for my pseudo users because we have a list of regions which match the regions that my pseudo works in as well. Um, so that our users could use our new VPN and they don't have to think about it. They can just have it always on and it works nicely with my pseudo, which provides essentially two levels of privacy for them. Yeah. So I guess, um, I guess the, in short, basically a VPN is not a VPN. There are, there are differences. Definitely. So, so I think that's just where you need to tick off your checklist of things to, to look at and then make a decision at the end of it. I think it's such a common trend we've heard regardless almost of the topic. If anybody's been listening consistently to the episodes, every guest we have on is like, if it's free, like you are the product. Everybody says that. And I think if people can just really understand that, it's a common thread for a reason. Also, we're going to get into this a little bit more too, but some VPNs do slow down your connection speed. 
yeah, it's in a bit of a bottleneck there for you. So that's one that you need to think about as well. Yeah, when, especially when it comes to um, your streaming services, because that could be a problem. So let's get more into the details of free VPNs and just the the problems with them. So I'm looking at this article from, from CNET. This is, I guess, back on April 28th of this year, so 2023. And they went through some, some pretty interesting items, some highlights. And they also went into that example that you mentioned earlier, Jim, about uh, what was that company again that ran into problems with selling people's data? Uh, Hola, H-O-L-A. Yeah, correct. That's right. So I guess, first off, it, it just talks about something like 86% of free iOS and Android VPN apps, they account for millions of installs. They have unacceptable privacy policies ranging from a simple lack of transparency to just explicitly sharing user data with Chinese authorities, according to two independent 2018 investigations into free VPN apps from top 10 VPN. So do you know if the one that's like in your iOS device, is that considered a free one or is that any, do you know, Jim, if that's more secure? I've never than, looked. Yeah, there's like just one sitting on my phone. <laughs> I looked at it, I was like, I hope that don't one use is it, just Sarah, secure. Don't use it, Don't click on it. I'm just using the MySudo one right now, but I go into my VPN and it has an option unless that's something I had previously had on there. I wasn't sure about that. Does iOS or Android, do they come with any native VPN options? Yeah, well, I think the Android doesn't. I've seen the same VPN setting in my iOS device as well, um, but I've got my own VPN, so I've, I've never really used it okay. myself. But check I mean, that out. That's just, I mean, thinking about that again, I mean, 86% of free iOS and Android VPNs, VPN apps have unacceptable privacy policies. It's a suspect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I think, that's why honestly, my, my take is just to avoid because you could pick through and find that that pearl in the mud, but there's a whole lot of mud. You know, you need, there's a lot of mud you need to clear through. And nobody's reading the privacy policies. They're no. just like, it's free. Yeah. No. Free, free. So another 64% of free VPN app offerings had no web presence outside of their app store pages. Only 17% responded to customer support emails. Uh, yeah, take the hint, right? No website, no customer support. Probably not a good idea. Hey, just know that my pseudo VPN support, we respond in like less than a day. So we're here for you. First class. It is first white glove service. That's what we call it. <laughs> in June 2019, Apple reportedly brought the hammer down on apps that share user data with third parties. But 80% of the top 20 free VPN apps in Apple's App Store appear to still be breaking those rules, according to a June update from top 10 VPN uh, in their investigations into VPN apps. So in 2021, 77% of apps were flagged as potentially unsafe in the top 10 VPN study. VPN ownership investigation is what they call it. And 90% of those flagged as potentially unsafe in the free VPN risk index still posed a risk. So yeah, it's worth the money. Pay for an app, right? Pay for the VPN. Yeah, yeah, that's reminding me actually, because um, that's one of the big risks of, pseudo, uh, of free VPNs um, is a lot of them are basically there, you know, the, as a nefarious app that they're trying to get you to download. So there is a fair few of them actually do contain malware as well. Yeah, and we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. There was a quote from this CNET article. It says, Google Play downloads of apps we flagged as potentially unsafe have soared to $214 million in total, rocketing by 85% in six months. Monthly installs from the App Store held steady at around $3.8 million, which represents a relative increase as this total was generated by 20% fewer apps than at the start of the year as a number of apps are no longer available. I always just wonder, yeah. it's like maybe how we said people are using it for streaming. People just want the free VPN so they can get access to some, you know, other yeah. movies and whatnot. They're not worrying about their security and privacy, but they really should. You know, I wonder if that's where the stats are coming from. Is they're like, I'm just trying to access something. I don't really care what else happens. That's, it's kind of like on a Friday night or something yeah. and you, you want that movie. You don't want to pay yeah. for it. And you're like, oh, let's go to one of these. Uh, yeah, just download a quick free app. Dodgy looking sites and right. see if I can't download it. And then, oh no, my computer yeah. starting to do weird things. <laughs> What's going on? All because you didn't want to pay. All right, so let's get into the, the malware part of it on free VPN apps. So 38% of free Android VPNs contain malware. 38%. That's a lot. Wow. Despite the security features on offer, there's a study by CSIRO 
that found that yes, many of those free VPNs were highly rated apps with millions of downloads, but if you're a free user, your odds of catching a nasty bug are greater than one in three. It's not even worth it. Not worth it. <laughs> not worth it. Mobile ransomware attacks are skyrocketing. Symantec detected more than 18 million mobile malware instances in 2018 alone, constituting a 54% year-over-year increase in variance. And in 2019, Kaspersky noted a 60% spike in password stealing Trojans. So there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the app store there. <laughs> it's also, it says it's really an opportunity cost analysis of which costs less. So a secure VPN service for about $100 a year, let's say, or hiring an identity theft recovery firm after some bad actor steals your bank account, login, and social security number, I think I'd rather pay the 100 bucks. Right. Next one is they, they mentioned the intrusiveness of advertising. So that's always a, an annoying one too. But there's also some stuff that gets inserted into these ads. So they can be a little bit on the on the dodgy side too. Aggressive advertising practices from a free plan can go beyond getting hit with a few annoying pop-ups and quickly veer into dangerous territory. So some VPNs sneak ad-serving trackers through the loopholes in your browser's media reading features, which then stay on your digital trail, following you everywhere as you browse the web. Hotspot Shield VPN earned some painful notoriety for such allegations in 2017 when it was hit with a Federal Trade Commission complaint for over-the-top privacy violations and serving ads. A Carnegie Mellon University study, the researchers found that the company not only had a, a backed-in backdoor used to secretly sell data to third-party advertising networks, but it also employed five different tracking libraries and actually redirected user traffic to secret servers. Sketchy. Oh, That's sketchy. Okay. Hotspot parent company Anchor Free denied the researchers' findings, but also in a November 2021 study from Top 10 VPN, just 15% of free VPN apps respected iOS users' choices when they declined voluntary ad tracking. Another big no-no. And the rest of the free VPN apps tested by Top 10 VPN simply ignored users' do not track request. Isn't that lovely? Goodness. It's like they put it in there probably because they were required to, but they're like, oh, well, you know, business what? as usual. What a world. How do they, I mean, Jim, how do they even get into the store? I mean, is it just impossible for the app and the Play Store to just monitor and manage this? Basically, I think there's a certain amount of automatic checking when, when an app goes into a store. Um, that's done so for the example there if it's got that do not track flow within the app that'll be a check and cool it works it's only it's only very rarely that a man there'll be a manual checking process where that would actually be picked up so so they can see like, is, the button is in the app but whether yeah, or not the company is yeah. following through yeah so so they'll see that they might see that the button triggers something but there's no way that they'll they'll be able to understand whether or not that's trustworthy or the company would actually fulfill it so it's uh again it goes back to choosing a, a trustworthy brand for this kind of stuff but i mean jim you, you as a product manager i mean you've gone through this process many times working with stores so i mean it's it's a pretty involved process is it not to to get something approved to to be uh, loaded up into the store it is it is definitely so there's 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 a lot of kind of rules around what content you need to add more recently for both apple and Play Store, um, you need to be telling them what your data and privacy kind of rules are and what you're capturing. But with that as well, you know, there's been a lot of places where what they list isn't actually true. So although there's a fair few hoops to jump through to make sure that something does get uploaded, I think unless, you know, that particular review is picked up by someone and done more thoroughly, it's easy to get through. You know, so so despite the fact that it looks like it's super rigorous, again, it goes back to you as a user needing to kind of decide, I'm, I'm going to be trusting this company with my data and my behavior. Do I trust them? Just because it's on the app store doesn't necessarily mean it's all good. Yeah. 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 People are always downloading the weirdest app. Even my mom or my brother, sometimes I'll, be, I'll look at the app store. I'm like, do you even know who made this? Can you see, like, I'll dig, I'll be the one digging in to be like, look at this guy's profile or look at this company. You've got to really like do a little bit yeah. of investigative work before you download something. Yeah. It's, it's like my dad is always downloading these random games. Yeah. Or people will be like, oh, look at this cool app that makes me look old or I look young. And I'm like, yeah, but look who designed the app. All wanted from me is my, yeah. is my security. God. And then you go into the privacy and they're collecting everything about you. And I'm like, all so that you can yeah. make yourself look younger. Not worth it. <laughs> and then one last uh, caution that this article talked about with free VPNs. It says all the buffering that goes on. So many free VPNs are just flat out slow. 
Uh, one of the top reasons people get a VPN, of course, is to access their favorite subscription services, as we mentioned, uh, streaming sites like Hulu, HBO, Netflix. But when they travel to countries where these companies block access based on your location, yeah, you run into problems. But that's the point in accessing the geo-blocked video content that you've paid for. If the free VPN service you're using is so slow, you can't watch it despite a good internet connection, right? It's just like... There's no point. Yeah, what are you, you going to do if it's, not, if it's not fast enough? So also subscription streaming sites are savvy to those who try to sneak into their video services for free. These services routinely block large numbers of IP addresses they've identified as belonging to these free VPN services. Free VPNs can't afford to invest in a long list of fresh IP addresses for users the way a paid VPN service can. Some free VPNs have also been known, and this is another one that kind of gets really dodgy. They've been known to sell your bandwidth, potentially putting you on the legal hook for whatever they do with it. Now, the most famous case of this was the, again, how does it say it? Is it just Ola or Hola? I would say Ola, but I just think Ola? you said Hola. <laughs> I'm not sure what it uh, I think that's just showing my lack of any link. <laughs> language. It's, just, I mean, it's just Ola, Ola <laughs> VPN, which was caught in 2015, quietly stealing users' bandwidth and selling it to whatever group wanted to deploy the user base as a botnet. That that one, I, I think I first learned of that a few weeks ago. Maybe I was doing some research on VPN. That's kind of scary, right? Because who else is using that traffic data and maybe you can get roped into some kind of a legal issue. It's intense. So free VPN services also usually pay for fewer VPN server options. That means your traffic is generally bouncing around longer between distant overcrowded servers or even waiting behind the traffic of paid users. So is it safe to say if you're paying for it, you're probably going to get better connection because these paid services are taking that time and the, you know, the effort to make sure that you have these good server exit points. Yes, definitely. Cool. And then when a VPN tracks you on its app, the alarm bells should start going off. I hope, right. Or or if you're not even paying attention to that, that's even a bigger problem. So in-app trackers really should make you seriously concerned about what the VPN is really up to. So ultimately it's to share data to make money. So your data being shared is being shared oftentimes with third party entities and that could be data brokers, advertisers, and they put, of course, profits ahead of ethics. And that information is also being shared with sites like Google and Facebook, meaning that even if you don't have a Facebook account, they're doing your, they, they're doing your best to stay away from uh, big tech surveillance capitalists. Your data is still being shared with them. So even though, Sarah, you don't want to participate maybe in some of these big tech platforms, they're still finding a way to take that information and share it with them anyway. Right. Think? I think we've talked about that on one of our earlier episodes. Even though you don't have a Facebook account, it just doesn't matter. They're still selling it over there. Surveillance capitalism. It's intense. All right. So what about VPN companies claiming that the data being shared is anonymized? So VPNs are often quick to claim that the data they're tracking and sharing with third parties is anonymized and not identifiable or tied to your personal information, which sounds great on the surface, but something like a device ID can still be used to identify you personally when other data points tied to your online behavior and interactions with the app are matched to that ID. And researchers have actually shown that almost 100%, 99.98% of users could be re-identified in any anonymized data set using only 15 data points. And the more data points an app is collecting about you, the easier it is for others to identify you online, even if the data being collected isn't necessarily personally identifiable information. So bottom line, it doesn't actually take that much to connect the dots and identify you online. And as we've highlighted many times in past episodes on this podcast, that's how surveillance capitalism works. And I mentioned earlier, you know, being sort of skeptical about who owns VPN companies. So we're going to dive into this a little bit. Here comes the tinfoil hat. Keep it under wraps here. The the ownership comes about by either being a creator of the VPN itself, acquiring other VPN companies or merging as well. So that's sort of what I was finding. We found this article. It says the three companies control many big name VPNs. And here's what you need to know. So the three that they listed were Cape Technologies PLC. It was formerly called Cross Rider PLC. And Cape Technologies owns at least four noteworthy VPNs. Those are CyberGhost, ZenMate, private internet access, I've seen the PIA before, and ExpressVPN. The second one is Ziff Davis. They were formerly J2 Global Inc. And they own IPVanish and StrongVPN. 
And then the third one, I think Jim mentioned it before, Nord Security. They have NordVPN, Atlas VPN, and Surfshark. So you'll you'll sort of see like some of those like Nord, we know they've created their own, but they've also merged or they've acquired other ones. So it's, like, it, it's interesting too, because I always get the feeling like NordVPN and Surfshark kind of compete against each other, but they're owned by the same company. Yep. It's weird. It's just like, mer- I think they merged. Yeah. And then there was another article that sort of went a little bit more broad and said these seven companies secretly own dozens of VPNs. And then this technology researcher who wrote the article stated that they are able to trace 40 VPN brands back to just seven companies. This stuff always makes me go, but here's my tinfoil hat. If look at your food, look at your brands of the products you buy, they're literally owned by like just a select few or even your, t- your TV networks. They're all owned. Your news, everything is owned by just a few people. And it is the same with VPN. If you want to take it to that level, they're, they're watching you. Everybody's time together. Yes. Follow the follow the money. Even more concerning is that so many of these companies aren't transparent with consumers about which products they actually own. And so Jim, many of the biggest names in the VPN industry today and some of CNET's top VPN picks, they're owned by just three parent companies. And those big three have gotten even larger in the last year, thanks to an increasing wave of VPN consolidation. So how do you view this consolidation in the VPN space? Is this problematic for privacy-minded people? I think it's definitely, it's like late-stage capitalism, isn't it? It's, um, I think it's, yeah, what you're saying before with big food, I think on a philosophical level, it's concerning yeah. anyway. <laughs> but I think it, I think it's one which it goes back to kind of, unfortunately, the onus on, on you as the consumer to do your due diligence. So I'll put half a tinfoil hat on or like a small, <laughs> maybe a, maybe a tin we'll hat beat. It. I'm not, I'm not going to go too big with it, but it is one where, you know, if, if you look back to those, the big three that we were talking about before, mm-hmm. I think Ziff Davis and Cape Technologies, they're both um, essentially kind of media companies. They, they own a lot of different websites, re- review websites, et cetera. So it'd be safe to say that part of their revenue stream would be about, in some way, data brokering in one way or another. I'm not saying, however, that they will be using the VPNs to do that. I think it's just one way it goes, okay, well, it raises a flag and it's one way it goes, okay, well, you need to check with whatever VPN provider you have, do a bit of digging. And really it goes back to seeing what their logging policies are and their data policies. I'm really kind of getting into the t- terms and conditions before you make that decision. Because I'd say, to be honest with you, for example, with Cape and Ziff, um, they're pretty big companies. They've got a lot of those main players. They're not like small VPN brands. So I think they're not going to be doing anything truly nefarious like Ola or something like that, where they they are doing some real kind of like dark arts. Um I'd say it's probably more like it's a it's a large commoditized industry. So you'll find when you go, if you Googled best VPN, you might end up on a review site that's owned by Ziff Davis, where, you know, would you believe it? Number one is IP Vanish, wow. you know? So so I think, I think that's probably, uh, that's my take. That That's where my tinfoil hat is kind of leaning, is more towards understanding how how the advice is being presented to you online because they're owning the vertical, a lot of these places. Yeah. So, so I think that, that'd be my kind of big one there is to kind of understand that they're kind of like with you every step of the way, but you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're illegal. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to get a cease and desist letter from any of the lawyers. <laughs> Let's take a brief break for this message from our sponsor. The global average cost of a data breach is nearly four and a half million dollars, but that's viewing it from a liability perspective. Today, privacy is a value proposition for software providers. When you develop a reputation for protecting customers' personal information, you don't just acquire new customers, you make them loyal. And Suno Platform is the world's premier cloud platform for providing developers with a menu of enterprise-ready SDKs and APIs that make integrating privacy solutions into your software so easy. Built for developers by developers from identity wallets and password managers to virtual cards and secure encrypted communications, Pseudo Platform has you covered. Go to market quickly with a privacy platform that is scalable, flexible, and secure. To learn more, visit pseudoplatform.com. That's pseudoplatform.com. 
Yeah. And I think I see something like NordVPN and I think they're just like, they're a credible company. I guess we don't always have to think the worst of them. They may just be absorbing and wanting to grow. I I will always be skeptical. That's just the way my brain works. But I think you can always just, you know, look into their privacy policies and stuff like that. But yeah, it's like not necessarily they're absorbing others and trying to do terrible things with it. But, you know, they're just trying to grow. Our VPN service that we created for MySudo, um, that's actually one that's now owned by Ziff Davis as well. But as part of our due diligence, we did check, you know, the logs policy and stuff right. for, for what we, we're providing to make sure that it it is still kind of kosher. You know, so right. so I think it's something where we've done our due diligence, we trust it. So we, we're then passing on that kind of trust with our brand to our consumers. And that's, I think it comes down to that so often is just personal accountability to your due diligence. You know, you can't just sit here and say, oh, I had no idea. You know, like take some responsibility for the apps you're downloading, the services you're using. You know, if we, you know, we've done our due diligence, we trust them. I mean, I wish we wouldn't have to. I wish the right. world was... Uh, a happy place everyone held hands but <laughs> unfortunately it's not there's a lot of bad actors out there we're always skeptical about i'm prob- always on the defense i feel like should probably do a more positive episode in the future <laughs> just just to make people happy there you go do you, do you usually get to this dark place every episode <laughs> it's pretty much this is the formula <laughs> we, we try to just skim the surface but Try to be realistic. So, a Jim, bit. you kind of you served it up on a plate for us, giving us this nice segue into where we go next. So, we started off the episode talking about what a VPN is. Sarah went into the stats. I followed on the back end of that, giving some more usage statistics, and then kind of talking about why. How did we get here? How why is there such growth in this space? And now, you know, we kind of finished off with some of the problems and what to look out for. Obviously, the free v- VPNs be very careful about that and just data being sold and bandwidth sold and everything else. But so now, Jim, is the time to talk about what is a good solution. So me, you got some exciting news to talk about here. I can't wait to hear. Oh, well, I think I might have let the cat out of the bag a few times already. <laughs> I think um, you did. But, uh, yeah. So, so, so my studio is creating its own VPN service. Um, and, you know, thinking back to all the all the gotchas and things to watch, we've kind of gone through it ourselves to develop a, a product that, that we believe in and we think people can trust. So what we've looked at is something that we think can honestly work for, for everyone. You know, I'm hoping to get my parents onto VPN, so maybe they'll, they'll use my pseudo VPN soon. Um, but equally, it's for our existing my pseudo users as well so a big thing is you know we don't ask for pii for people to log in um, and, for, what and, and for i'm sorry jim for people who don't know what that means right personally identifiable information correct yeah so so when it comes to logging in it's not like we're asking for your name email address anything like that to access the vpn itself that's exactly the same as with my sudo and, and um, how rare is that too that is, I mean, looking at VPN, that is very rare, you know, from when we when we were setting it up. Um, I think it's just ourselves and there's a there's a, a small Scandinavian VPN called Mulvad that does it as well. Uh, but beyond that, I don't think there's anyone else out there in the industry right now that does that one. So it is pretty unique. Yeah, I went through the onboarding today because I'm testing for us and it was super easy. You just sort of read through, you know, great information about we don't need any logins from you. This is what's going on. And you have the option to read through the privacy policy right up front. And as soon as you're like, yep, that's great. You're in the app. It's so nice and quick. Not only is it more private and secure for you, it's just less thumb work, you know, less typing on that phone. Yeah, less friction. Um, so, yeah. So I think that no PI, it protects you as a user because we don't know, you know, even if, even if, you know, the FBI kicked down the door and put the thumbtacks on, um, we don't have any information to share. You know, so so we're out of the equation when it comes to making sure that your data is private. Um, on the other side, it's a no logs policy. As you say, we as I said before, we we did our due diligence ourselves when we were kind of working out the best people to partner with to provide this VPN service, and we made sure that there was that no logs policy. So again, if they're kind of in any way compromised or 
a request is made to, to see what you've been doing, they don't keep any data either. So again, from a VPN provider, you're protected in that way. Um, and it is built by Anonymy Labs, you know, my pseudo as well. So we are a privacy company. So it is something that is a key tenet of what we do. Um, so we're hoping that that kind of brand trust extend, extends the VPN. So when you look at that cesspit that is the, the Play Store <laughs> and App Store, uh, we're hoping our history can help provide a little bit of uh, you know affirmation for people when they're making that selection. Absolutely. It's kind of like how I felt safe with Nord. I was like, oh, I know who they are. They protect me. And you know, it's like that brand recognition and you trust them. And that's what MySudo is doing. Yeah, exactly. It. So it's, um, so yeah, so it's good. Works with MySudo, which um, I think you said at the start, Sarah, it's, it, it is something that has come up historically with our MySudo users into support. Yep. A bit of frustration there where they're trying really hard to protect themselves using MySudo, but when they try and use the VPN, they're not playing nicely together. Right. Um, so we really made sure that these two work hand in hand. Um, so you know, if someone's coming in, um, into our kind of MySudo family via VPN. We know if they do then purchase MySudo, their kind of like experience is seamless and they can keep using their phone um, as they expect it. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that because in support, we do get people that are like, I'm trying to be private and I'm using a VPN and your app's not working. So then they get upset and I'm like, you're probably just connected to a server. You know, there are certain servers and exit points that we don't support based on security purposes. And so it is such a huge thing. We've had people asking, when are you getting your own VPN? You know, and so I'm excited that we're bringing this to people because they're asking for it and knowing that it will work exactly, you know, turn it on wherever it points to, you know, it will work with my pseudo because they are both accepting of the exact same countries and locations. So they'll work just seamlessly together. Exactly. Yeah. And it's um, it's mobile only, right? For for now. Yeah, for now. Again, it goes back to my pseudo is predominantly mobile only as well. So we've gone with mobile only. It's not only just one or two devices. You, you can have it on as many devices as you want um, as well. Um, but looking, looking forward, we will be getting it onto desktop as well to make sure that, you know, you can switch it on and, no matter what device you're on, your laptop, desktop, mobile, um, we will get to the point where you have that full coverage. Very cool. And to use it, pretty straightforward, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's you know, that's, that's the beauty of pretty much all VPNs. It's a set and forget. So once it's on, you set it on, um, and then it it's a system-wide protection. It's not just, you know, if you've got MySudo, it's protecting MySudo, it's, it's protecting your whole phone. Yeah, I told you, I'm sort of a, a dummy over here with VPNs. I'm a, I'm a normie. I'm new to this. And I've had it on for a couple of days. And it, I really, I just set it, forget it. There's not a ton of stuff to click on. It's pretty simple. And you can change your location right there on the front. It gives you sort of right off the bat, it'll connect you to the, the strongest point. But you can easily go in and change a location whenever you want, turn it off whenever you want, or keep it on. That's what I'm doing. I'm like, well, I feel protected now, you know, so I'm just going to leave it and just keep testing it. I love it so far. User friendly. Yeah. And it is something which there's a there's a fair number of locations you can use as well. I think there's almost 50 countries um, that have covered. And then within that, if you look at all the different access points or egress points, there's um, coming up to 80, I think 76 different locations. So it covers all the main spots that are most popular that people want to use. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're pretty confident that most people will be will be happy with that selection. But it doesn't work in North Korea, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're still speaking to Kim Jong Un about getting that, getting that agreement together. So, so I just had to ask. So, what everyone is going to want to know, of course, is when will this be available for downloading from the store? Um, I don't know when this goes out, but it should be. We're looking at next week i'm just checking the date we'll also say this um yeah it, sh it should be in by the end of next week um we're aiming for i don't know whether to give a specific date in case some people don't do it it. people we are <laughs> mid-may but we're close yeah. very close yes yeah so it should, it should be early may that we're going for perfect and do we want to talk pricing or do we leave that out um it's up to you i mean we can it's been set so we can do. Cool. Sure. Yeah. What is, what is the price? Uh, the price is uh, we've got a monthly and you can get it for a year as well. So the monthly price is eleven ninety nine. Uh, US dollars I'm talking about. Um, and the annual price is $86. It, basically, it works out at $6.99 per month if you get the, the year subscription for that. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Totally doable. And it can be downloaded in how many different countries? 
You said again? Um, all the ones that my sudo are downloaded in. So all the ones uh, that my sudo. Okay. Yeah, like so I'm, I'm trying to remember which <laughs> days like are. Seven or so. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's okay. all the main regions that we have, including Singapore. I think is on there as well. Any any, um, any so other yeah. features you wanted to cover? No, that was awesome. Uh, any features? Did you say? Yeah. Any more features on my sudo VPN? Um, we're going out with what we what we call is like probably like the core valuable features to begin with. Um, so we're just making sure that it works, that it has a strong connection, so you don't have that buffering speed if you are using it, um, and that it matches up with my sudo. Um, so I think Sarah mentioned before that it does have the ability for you to just basically quickly, there's a, there's a button on there which allows you to just choose whatever's the, the fastest available, um, or you can just choose from the drop dropdown. Um, but beyond that, there's not much much there. We are going to be continually adding to it, though. Um, so as I say, there will be go, going on to desktop is in the pipeline, bringing in WireGuard soon as well. That should be a pretty fast follow. Um, and for people that don't know, there's different protocols. There's different ways in which you can connect. Um, and WireGuard is essentially the the established gold standard now for protocols so that will be coming probably a month later. Very cool. So yeah, I mean, no, no personally identifiable information. That's a big one. Yeah. And then of course... If you are a MySudo customer, that's that's Go big because it. it works. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. Well, this has been cool. Great uh, topic. And uh, I learned a few things too here along the way. Anything always. else you wanted? Yeah, always. Anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap up, Sarah or Jim? No, that was great. Thanks for coming, Jim. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, next time we'll have to have you fly all the way over here from <laughs> Australia. Or we could Private come out there. Us. You know, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> ah, we could do we could do a remote show, couldn't we? <laughs> from the beach. Well, I would say the I think, I think the location, I think we're, between us is probably Hawaii. So maybe we'll just meet there and oh, be on the beach. No objection from Sarah. <laughs> yeah. I guess if I have to. Well, awesome. Well, yeah, we look uh, look forward to the uh, the VPN product coming out, and hopefully, we'll get you back on here pretty soon so we can follow up and talk about more exciting things around what's going on here on the uh, Nanami Labs product management side. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. In our next episode, Sarah and I will be talking to a former corporate spy, someone who conducted espionage on some of the largest companies in the world. Until next time, don't forget. Privacy is a human right.